Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good to be with you, church. I just want to say off the top, I love you. Maybe you don't need to hear it, but I want to say it. I just love you deeply. So honored to be a part of who we are. You're the best people. You just really, yeah, and I'm talking to all of you here live, right? I mean, you're fired up. You're ready to get after what God has. I'm talking to those of you who are, who are 12 stone home and at other campuses and God's going to encourage us today. And, and I, I'm just grateful to sit in the power of this book of Ephesians that brings the living word of God to bear on our lives. We're going to sit in Ephesians chapter 5, the first seven verses, and it adds courage and clarity to our life. And really, it... It gives us this kind of encouragement. Let me just put it up here. You can live a full life if you'll die to empty words. Wrap your head around this. This is where we're going today. This is what the Holy Spirit is teaching us through Ephesians. We're we're nine weeks into the series, and and, and this is the next learning, and it's so empowering by by the work of God. You can live a full life. You can. If you'll die to what, everybody? Empty words. I, I can't hear you. If you die to what? Empty words. And then Paul is like right here in the turn to chapter 5, amping up the intensity. And he's kind of ramping up to chapter 6 to the reality. And I almost have to fast forward to chapter 6. Because this, this, is, this, is, this is where it kind of lands. And we'll get there eventually in the series. But, but he delivers a reality about the spiritual war we're in. So let's look at the reality. We are at war against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now, now when Paul writes this about the spiritual war that we're in, he's saying, therefore, you got to live like you know you're in this spiritual war. You got to rise up to the reality You have an enemy, the evil one, Satan. Don't get defeated. Don't get discouraged. Don't let fear overtake you. He goes on in chapter 6 to say, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Be what? Strong in the Lord and who? His mighty power. You you don't have the strength to, to outdo, overtake Satan and his demonic forces in spiritual realms. That's the real war that we're in. But that's all right. You're not relying on your power. You're you're learning to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. By the way, that's how you get through uncertain or difficult seasons in life. It's how you navigate a a hostile or or divided elections in the country that you love. It's it's how how you navigate the, the health risks of COVID and it's staying around forever and, and unsolved and the economic uncertainty that goes with it. And that the stuff that it does inside you that you almost don't have words to say to anyone else. And, and, and you battle with that. And how do you get through that? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In fact, I almost need to do a little sidebar here before I even get to the teaching. 
David and Kim Godby are a long-term 12-stone family. Uh, yesterday, they buried their 24-year-old son and his wife of one year. <clears throat> Sorry. How do you get through that kind of tragedy? I mean, they were, they were sleeping at night in their bedroom. And in the storm, when all the trees came down, a tree came through the house and took their lives. I mean, how do you get through that? If not for the promises of God that that beautiful couple who trusted Jesus, loved Jesus, lived out Ephesians 1 through 3, by the grace of God, they've been redeemed, restored. Hey, they're with Jesus. Everything's awesome for them. But for those of us left, you know, for their parents, for their family, for their loved ones, how do you get through that? Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, right? That's how you get through it. Maybe you should say a couple things about election. You know, I, I, I know we're not through it. This, just, this is the first Sunday after it. <laughs> I know we don't have an election. I get it. I understand the legalities of it. I understand that, that, that it has to be certified. I understand that, that, that media doesn't declare presidents. I, I get all that. But I, I, but I know that half of America likes where things are going, and half of America doesn't like where things are going. And we got all kinds of things that are going to have to be absorbed in the midst of this, and eventually it's going to all play out. And when it does, each person's got to navigate their, uh, yay, this is awesome, oh, this is horrible. And every, I, Paul would have something to say to us. He navigated political tension. Listen, he, he lived in a world where he, he didn't get to vote on Caesar, <laughs> Stay with me. He had to walk with Jesus and do the work of the kingdom of God in Ephesus where there was great political, atten uh, political tension. And, and in the midst of this, well, Rome oppressed the Jews. And Paul would say, listen, I've lived in this. I, I know how this plays out. I know that there are demonic forces. You think you're in a political or moral war. You're not. You're in a spiritual war. Paul would say, man, I got demonic forces underneath all that we're trying to do for the sake of the kingdom of God. And they're pushing against in political and moral arenas. That's why Paul would take us in. You, you would find it in Acts chapter 19, this whole setup of what's playing out in the book of Ephesians that we're reading. There it is, the, the, the goddess of Artemis, the goddess Artemis is being celebrated, and it's a temple bigger than a football field, and it's ornate, and I don't even know if anybody could afford to build it in modern day. It was considered one of the, the seven wonders of the ancient world, and, and this is all, the, all devoted to the worship of someone other than God, false gods. Listen, we live in a world that are worship, that, that free to worship anything but God. You do know we have demonic, it's not just a political or moral war we're in, it's a spiritual war. Man, get into the reality of this. Understand. Paul would say, look at my story from Acts 19. The idol worship. And in the midst of that idol worship, there's all sorts of sexual immorality going on. When Paul writes about sexual immorality in chapter 5, he's referring to what's going on in the temple as well as other places. 
So you have, you have prostitution, male and female. You have sex outside of marriage. You have adultery going on of men and women going to the temple and, 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 and engaging in immorality as an act of worship. You got homosexuality going on as an act of worship at the temple. When Paul writes, he says, you have no idea. This is what we're having to navigate. We're in a spiritual war. This has all kinds of economic and political implications. They're selling idols. They're selling charms and parchments. They were literally called Ephesian letters. And, and these little spells that were put on them, you could buy them, this little like rolled up scroll, and keep it with you. And that would be your confidence. Let's think about this. That's your confidence. You go buy that, so now there's economic, and, and you keep it with you, and now you have guaranteed protection on your journey that you'll be safe. No COVID will get you. You have guaranteed success in business. No economics will undo you. You have, you, you listen, if you're infertile and you can't have kids, this will take care of it. Just lean on the goddess. Artemis will take care of you. Pray to her. Trust her. Go, go have sexual and moral encounters and, and feel the thrill and, 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 and the, the power and the beauty of that expression and know that you've worshipped well. And you got silversmiths making little mini idols of Artemis and selling them. And this is, this is an economic pathway that's creating all sorts of wealth in the territory. And Paul steps in the midst of that, of political and immoral tension. And he declares Jesus. And it's so influential, the power of God is, that people are coming to authentic faith and they're walking away from immoral lifestyles and it's cutting the business of the silversmiths, idol makers. They're getting ticked. And then they have a political rally. They have a big protest. And the whole thing is, and Paul would say, listen, I've been in this. In fact, I, I wrote this almost convinced that maybe I... Maybe we need to say something to everybody. At least I can say it to you who will listen to 12 Stone. I don't know if you're long-term 12 Stoners or, or you're new. We love you. Love having you in this moment. But let, let me just, I think Paul might say this. I have lived in political tense times. So listen, if you put your hope in politics more than Jesus, you are in for a repeatedly disappointing and defeated life. Instead, keep your hope in Jesus. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Don't let fear, discouragement, or despair defeat you. Nothing can thwart God's plan. He's on the throne, whether you like or dislike your political circumstances. He wins, and because he wins, you win ultimately. Just remember, you're in a bigger war. You're in a spiritual war. So all the more follow Jesus by dying to empty words, empty immorality, empty idols, and empty lifestyles. And God will use you to transform souls, families, and communities like he did with us at Ephesus. Amen. Amen. Church, there might be more to say about the election, but we don't have one yet. So we'll just let the legal process walk itself out. And now I'll get to the teaching. That's the reality. We're in a spiritual war. And he ramped up to spirituality. Now let's back up and get to where we are in chapter 5. Because this now, this is the intensity of it all. So let's get into the intensity of it. The scripture we're going to teach from. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of what, everybody? Love. 
Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Remember, you're dearly loved, so this scripture goes on. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. It goes on. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And then he, he takes us to the application. For, for of this, you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, remember they're dealing with this whole idolatry stuff, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I mean, this is intense stuff. So let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with what? Empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath has come on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And what you need to see is this whole empty words is where Paul lands. We need to take a moment to talk about empty words. So I'm going to play a movie clip, 23 seconds. See if you can figure out the name of the movie and the candy, and don't say it out loud. Even if you're at 12 Stone Home, another campus, wherever you are, don't say it out loud. I'll give you a chance after the clip. Let everyone have a shot at this. What's the movie, and what's the candy? Check it out. All right, that's all I'm giving you. Count of three, 12 stone home, all the campuses here. What is the movie? One, two, three? Yeah, E.T. Extraterrestrial. And what was the candy? Reese's Pieces, come on, right here. We're all like kids, aren't we? You want some? I don't even, I don't know if I can... Ah, let's see, let's just, there we go, okay, there, fight over them, we're a church. (laughs) I know, I know, right? There's still more to go. Let's talk about empty words. Do you know that Spielberg and Universal Studios approached the Mars Candy Company and asked to have Eminem be the candy for E.T.? And they said no. They said, man, just do a million dollars of free advertising. You'll benefit, we'll benefit, we'll all win. Eminem will become the candy of E.T. And like, no, we're not doing that. And well, why not? Those are empty words. Movie will come to nothing, this will come to nothing. Nah, we don't need that. So they went to their second choice. A candy that was actually declining in sales and probably wouldn't have made it. <laughs> See, Jack Dowd, the vice president of new business, when he heard the offer, said, oh, oh, we'll take that offer. Absolutely. Let's link up. It's a win-win. And it was. E.T. became the highest grossing film up until that point in the early 80s. It outperformed Star Wars. And Reese's Pieces became a global 
candy. Come on, that's just, did you know that? And so here we, here we are all enjoying these Reese's Pieces. All because of what happened back here. Can you imagine at the board meeting of Mars M&M? Can you see the board of directors? Hold on. We had a chance to be the candy of E.T. We, we said no. Why? Who is the idiot? Well, why'd you say what? Why'd you say no? Because I thought it was empty words. It wasn't going to pay off. Well, you're a fool and you're fired. I mean, like, what else are you going to say? Listen, the world is calling Jesus' teachings empty words. In this country, Jesus' words are mocked, ridiculed, dismissed, and his church is targeted. And Paul is writing, and he's telling you, let no one deceive you with their empty words. Don't pull an Eminem move in your life. You can't have a full life on empty words. And this world is delivering empty words. And you're betting your life on somebody's words. Don't be deceived by empty words. Here's the problem. When you get deceived by empty words, it means that you believe those words have life. And therefore, because you believe they're true, you live them like they're true. When you believe the world's empty lies, you believe they're true, so you lean into them like they're true. When in fact they're false, when in fact you're deceived, when in fact it will destroy you and undo your life. And for these reasons, the wrath of God is coming. And you were sincerely wrong. This is so heavy and so intense. You lose, you did evil, you didn't even think you did evil. Jesus, these are the words of life. So that's the bottom of the teaching. Let's go back up to the top of the teaching now. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved. As what kind of children? Dearly loved children. And walk in the ways of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love. Love like God loves. That's the directive. That's the encouragement. That's, that's the clarity here. Love like God loves. We're supposed to love like God loves. And if you would love like God's love, you'd have a transformed life because the love of God comes in you and then it transforms you and then it flows through you. Love like God loves. And we agree. We agree. Yes, absolutely. They got to love like God loves, but, but we have great difficulty knowing how to translate those words of life because those aren't empty words. Those are life-giving words. We have great confusion in knowing how to practice that. I'm going to teach us through it today. It may not be inspiring, but it's going to be instructional. There is, it is so much broke in the church in America on how to take the example of God's love and receive it, and then take it to the world around you. We don't know how to love people like Jesus loves people. We don't know how to love people like Jesus loves people. We don't know how to love Jesus. And maybe you do. Okay, well, then this won't be helpful for you. But, but, but walk with me. It might, it might assist you. Let's talk about how we love people. How do you love people like Jesus loved people? And I'm going to apply it because there's only so much we can get done. I'm going to apply it to how do you love people in a world like Jesus loved people in a world? And the very first thing that, that this scripture addresses is your value. 
Then the next thing he addresses is your values. So let me talk. Let me, let me, let me talk about. Let me talk about your value. You have. He said you are dearly loved. You have great value before God. This language that God uses of dearly loved is you are endeared to God. See, when you, when you acknowledge your sin and believe in Jesus and receive him, you're forgiven of your sin. You become a child of God. You are restored. You have great value. Listen, you had great value before you came to faith in Jesus because you were created by God. You are not a cosmic accident of chance and time. You are from the divine design of the living God. You have value inherently from him. And if you live in this world, you get all kinds of empty words that are telling you you are a cosmic accident. You came from nothing. You came from nowhere. You're going nowhere. And when you buy those empty words, you end up with an empty life because you grasp for value and you discover that in a world of empty words, the only way you can get value is if you earn it, if you get other people's approval. Listen, when you buy empty words, you're undone by those very words. When you believe you came from nothing and you're going nowhere and God has nothing to do with this, you not only have no value, you have no values. You just make it up. And now when you grasp for value, your only value is in what you can earn and other people's approval. That makes a generation vulnerable to things like social media who are so dependent on the approval of others for their value that they would adjust any conviction to get approval. And you're owned, you're enslaved to approval. So vulnerable to it, you may not even see it that way, that you may change the definition of love to be everybody's values are fine as long as I get accepted and approved and we all, what are we doing? It makes it incredibly difficult for you as a follower of Christ. Because if you get your value from the approval of others rather than God, you're going to have difficulty following Jesus. Because to follow Jesus means you have to walk away from the empty words of this world and you will get disapproval for it. And if you feel like you lose approval and you lost your value because it's not centered in him, you won't really walk with Jesus. Now, I'm not against social media. Marsha just showed me a post from our daughter, Julissa, and her only child, little Myers, two and a half years old. This is adorable because he's my grandson. Check it out. Hey, Myers. Do you want to make pancakes for breakfast? No. What do you want to eat? Candy. Candy? We can't have candy. Candy, candy, candy. See, every real kid, once he tastes candy knows that's what you want for mealtime. And if Papa was there, he would have got candy. Because that's my job, spoil him. I have no problem with that. I'm very good at it. But that little boy does not have value based on the number of people who like that post and give a thumbs up. His value in life is not his approval rating of other people. His value is inherently in the God who created him. He's by divine design. Now, my daughter for this little Halloween wore a cool little shirt. I'll let you see a picture of it. This was a creative little, um, how shall we say, a creative little way to communicate bun in the oven. 
That's right. Her number two, our number four grandchild. We are so excited. And so she's posted this picture now. And, and this is Myers promoted to Big Brother May of 2021. And we are fired up for, for that in our family. Well, of course we are. And we want all our kids and all our grandkids, and God wants everybody to know that your value is rooted and based in him. You have value. But immediately, immediately, it moves from your value to your values. That's what scripture does next. It makes this hard leap. So, so look back at the scripture we were in, in, in chapter 5 of Ephesians. But, 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 now that you know your value, you're loved by God, but now they know you're dearly loved. It's the same language that he used when Jesus was baptized and came out of the water. And the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That kind of love God has for us. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. He immediately says, check this out, watch that your values, the love of God, listen, God's love for you, being valued and loved by God, does not, does not neutralize your values. Keep watching, keep listening. Many people don't know how to love like Jesus loved people because they're confused with what we're about to lay out. They think, because this culture says, if you had the love of God, then you would support everybody in whatever values they have because that's what love does. Love, if you're going to accept a person, means you accept however they choose to live. And that's how Jesus loves. And those are empty words. Paul immediately says, the love of God and your value does not translate into having no values. It translates into the values of God for your life because you know these are the words of life. And now everything gets reshaped. Everything gets transformed. Everything gets reset. See, the next thing that he says, the immorality, sexual immorality, the world says it's good, and God says, no, no, it's empty words. It's evil. It'll undo your life. There's impurity, and the world says it's good, and God, no, no, it's, it's empty, and it'll undo your life. The world says, oh, 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 oh be greedy. It's good, and, and God says, no, it's empty. It'll undo your life. See, the love of God for you should transform your values. It doesn't accept all values. It transforms to higher values. God doesn't want to leave you in a life of empty words, and you know where we're broke? We All we tend to know how to do is condemn or condone. Stay with me. I just want to keep drawing this out. Our tendency is, is that we all we really know to do is condemn or condone. Here's what I mean. There, there is what I'll call the past church, and some of us have been a part of that, generations in the past. And, and the way the church taught us is uh, that everybody has value before God, and then you have your values. But when you encounter people whose values are not like yours and like Jesus, then what you do next is condemn. So the past church, the, the, the prior church, just ran around and condemned people. And the world says, that's the love of God. It's all condemnation. That's kind of how we think. Yeah, well, you know what? Because if you don't have the values of Jesus, then you don't have value. And when you do this, people feel worthless. And that's how many people have experienced the church. Because what we know to do is condemn. 
Now there's another complete other side, and you end up in what you, you could call the present church, present generation, the, the, bent, the bent, if you will, and the present generation. And that says, well, all right, here, here there is our value, and then our values, and those have to stay together. And therefore, therefore, because you have value, then we embrace and accept your values. If you listen, if you're, we're going to accept your value, we have to accept your values. And then all we end up doing is becoming a people that condone. And all of a sudden, there is no such thing as sin. There's no sin. Whatever you, your truth is your truth. It doesn't matter. I mean, I read a pastor's post that said something like this. Uh, if you have been rejected by the church and they don't celebrate uh, your choice for a gay marriage and you, they won't marry you, come to me as a pastor, I'll marry you because I love you with the love of Christ. Now pause right there. Just listen. When the world hears that, they say, well, now that's a pastor who loves like Jesus loves. And just let me help correct here. That's not true. That's not the love. You don't, you don't love like Christ by contradicting the teachings of Christ. The only Christ created marriage between a man and woman was his design. I know the world lives differently than that. I understand that. But, but, but if you love like Christ, you neither condemn nor condone. What's, what's lost in this and why we're so confused as a people is we don't know how to sit in Scripture and learn from how Christ taught us. Christ, I'm, I'm going to suggest something. Just to, Christ separated, just go with me, just for the sake of understanding. I'm not trying to give a theological treatise, though this is theologically deep. It's just true. Separated value and values. Just go with me in this. He, he separated value and values. They say you, are, you have value before God. You're created in his image. And your values really matter in life. And then what he taught us is that you can value someone without affirming their values. You got to hear this. You can value someone without affirming their values. That's what Jesus did. John chapter 8, woman caught in adultery illustrates. Woman's caught in adultery. They bring her to Jesus. They say, according to the law of Moses, she should, Moses, she should, be, she should be killed, stoned. You know, by stones put to death. And then Jesus said, well, whoever is without sin, feel free to cast the first stone. And everybody dropped their stone and walked away. And then Jesus said to the woman, um, where's those who are condemning you? And he said, there are, they left. He said, well, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. That last line is what's critical. Neither do I condemn you. See, Jesus starts with loving compassion. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. With loving compassion, you have great value. Now go leave your life of sin. And he followed it. He ended with loving correction. He gave her words of life. The life values you've chosen will destroy you. He leads with loving compassion. He ends with loving correction. And what he's teaching us is this. People have value regardless of their values. And their values do not condone 
their value. Think of it like this. Listen, values, whatever values you have, they do not condemn. They do not condemn. Your values do not condemn your value. And your value before God, what you have, does not condone your values. Love like Christ. We lead with loving compassion. And once you know the love of Christ, then you can receive his correction. How do you love like Christ? What is God teaching us in the Holy Spirit to help us understand the weight of this? You can value people without affirming their values. This is so profound and powerful. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to condemn. So he said in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, where believes him, not perish, but have eternal life. All right, there's the beauty of the first three chapters of Ephesians. And he said, now, God did not send his son, verse 17, to condemn the world, but to save the world. Then in verse 18, however, however, if you reject the living words of Christ and you call them empty words, you condemn yourself. Church, Jesus didn't come to condemn. Our role is not to condemn. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, know this. You condemned yourself. And the love of Christ through us compels us to bring his compassion to a world. And when you experience his love, you can trust his words. And you would receive the correction because it gives life. Once you receive his loving compassion, you gladly receive his loving correction. Everybody got it? See, this stuff is like, oh, that's getting down into the instructional layers. Yes, it is. Because you can value people without affirming their values. How do you love like Jesus? Value people without affirming their values. You can do this in your relationship in your life. Now, how do you love Jesus? Now, now it turns out, how do you, actually, how do you love Jesus? Well, let, let's go here. You can't value Jesus without following his values. You can't value Jesus without following his values. I'll tell you a story. Marsha and I were uh, dating in college. And I dated her long enough to know this was the one for me. She didn't know yet what an awesome gift God was bringing to her, but I knew. What an awesome gift God had brought to me. So, so I know. So on one particular date, evening, afternoon, evening, uh, about a friend's car, we, I, I took her to this place called Botany Blend uh, off campus. And, and, and it's just a really beautiful walk in the woods. Nothing happened. Okay. So, so no, we, but we just had a wonderful, wonderful walk in the woods. And, and, and then it got dark and we had to head back. And, and when we were heading back, you know, we were just goofing around and, and heading back. And I was afraid we were going to get lost anyway to, to figure out how to get back because it wasn't just a clean trail. And, and at one moment I grabbed some leaves and I threw them at her. And then she grabbed her eyes. He says, oh, no. I said, what? He said, you knocked the contact out of my eye. I'm like, oh, that can't be good. I said, well, well um, you got another one? No, these are, you know, rigid, hard. This is back in 81, rigid, hard contacts. You only have one pair. Wow, well, I'm never going to find that. Well, yeah, I'll just have to tell my dad. And he got a, how much would that cost? $200. Man, we got to find that. That's 200 bucks. That's, that's like, I've been down. We're looking for it. We got to find this thing. I mean, $200 to a poor college student, that's a million bucks. But it's getting dark and dusk. We can't find it. We're like, we aren't going to find this thing. We aren't going to find our way back. And so we're driving back. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to tell my dad. 
And he's got to, I said, well, what are you going to tell your dad? I was just tell him what happened. Well, just, uh, just practice for me. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell my dad that you took me to the woods. We goofed around. You threw leaves at me. You knocked the contact out of my eye, and we lost it, and I needed him to buy me another pair for 200 bucks. Don't, don't do that. You can't, you can't. Be more creative. I'm the creative one. You're like, you got, be, just, can't you just say, hey, Dad, I lost my contact. How about we do that? He doesn't need a story. Yeah, but then you'll say how. Well, when you say how, can't you say a friend through leaves? She says, listen, I don't lie or mislead my dad. Well, I do. <laughs> Insert, I follow my father's values. I'm like, we got to find that thing. I mean, in my head, I'm like, we cannot lose that contact because he's going to say, he took you where? And he's going to question my judgment. And then he's going to think things happened that didn't. And then I cost him 200 bucks and I'm never going to be able to marry Marsha. And so I'm telling God in a conversation, we, we got to go find a contact. You, got, you know where it is. I don't know where it is. We got to find a contact because I, I can't lose her. Like, we don't find a contact. I'm never going to marry her. Oh, dear God, I know you want us to get married. Right? Right? You got you to deliver a contact if you want us to get married. Because sometimes God doesn't know what's on the line. You got to help him. I was helping him. I kid you not, I prayed, I say I prayed all night. Every time I woke up, I prayed. I said, we're going back tomorrow. And we went back. I go, oh, dear God, point me to the tree. Where were we? And by the way, I know this is crazy. How many of you have ever lost the contact when you were at home, like trying to put it on in the sink? Okay, Marsha and I have lost, literally lost, she's lost contacts leaning over the counter and having it drop, and we've never found it on the counter or, or on the little rug, and we know where it is. I know I'm not going to find it, but dear God, I have to find it, or we're not going to get married. We, we, we walked in the woods. I said, I think it was at this tree. I think we might have been here. I got down. I flipped some leaves, and there was the contact lens. No, I, you're not getting it. I found the freaking contact lens in the woods a day later, and we got married. There you go. See? Single people ask me, how do I know if I'm supposed to marry this person I'm dating? Here's what you do. Take them out to the woods at dusk, throw leaves in their eyes, knock out the contact, then go look the following day, and if you find it, marry that person. That's how you'll know the will of God, okay? Everybody's got to figure out the will of God. So here's the whole point. She never had to tell her dad, but she would have because she follows her dad's values. When you say you love Jesus, it can't be empty words. When you say you follow Jesus, it can't be empty words. If you follow Jesus, if you love him, you follow his values. You can't have a full life on empty words. See, that, that's, why, that's why he walks through. We got to stop the immorality, the impurity, the greed. When you encounter the living Christ, he transforms you. We all battle. We battle things like pornography. We battle things like Sex outside of marriage. If you're living together and you're followers of Jesus Christ and you're living together and you're not married, stop it. God's already spoken to you about this. Get married. Quit having sex. 
move out or get married. The world is giving you empty words when they say this is a great way to practice. It's, it's, when Paul's going after it, he's not, and it's not just against it's something that's for the life God has. We'll pick that up next week. It includes affairs. I had a guy who led to Christ, a disciple, and he, I know he was having challenges in marriage. He said, hey, God's helping me. I said, oh, he said, I met another woman. God brought her to me. No, he didn't. Had an affair. I said, no, he didn't. God didn't do that. You got to battle through that. I had a friend walk through with his, his gay bent, and, and, and he's married, and he's battling this, and, and his family doesn't know, and this was many years ago, and, and man, I've, I've walked alongside him. I said, I don't know. I feel, I feel like this is, I've bent this way. I mean, real serious battle, but the encounter of the living Christ called him out of those empty words. When you experience the living Christ, he will call you out of immorality. And, and not that we don't battle. We all have one of those or many of those in our, in our battle list. And I'm not talking to, to non-Christians. I know if I talk like that, I say, well, that's hate speech. And, and, and you know, and this is not a moral life. And I, I get that. But as a, as our goal here is not to go correct the world. Church, Jesus didn't send us out in the world to correct the world. Jesus sent us out in the world to bring compassion. When you experience the power and the love of the living God, you will trust his word and you will correct. See, this is the evidence that you love him. That deserved an amen. So we make sure that we're clear. So, so if you follow Christ, if you, you're in love with Christ, the power of Christ flowing through you, you do not partner with them. That's how it ends. That whole scripture ends is do not partner with them. So is there any place in your life where you're living by empty words and the power of Christ would transform you? Halloween, I was carrying my other grandson, Braden, and I was feeding him little pieces of candy. Guess which ones? Reese's Pieces. You know how that's possible? You know how that's possible? Because 40 years ago, Jack Dowd knew the difference between empty words and what was not empty words. You're making decisions right now that will impact your life in four months, four years, or 40 years. And, and, and here's God's promise to us. You can live a full life if you'll die to empty words. Bow your heads with me. Father, let's take an honest moment with you. We are in the midst of a world that is feeding us empty words, and you've given us life. Right now, there's an encouragement of your Holy Spirit to correct what we've bought into empty words. I, I pray for the encouragement for people to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That you would help us move away from empty words and into your living word. Right now, there are courageous decisions needing to be made to stay in the battle or to walk away. To seek you and say, God, help me. This is taking me out. I, 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 I want to love you and walk well. We live in a world of such conflict, God, and we got to learn how to love like you love. And, and we're not here to condemn the world. We don't condone the world, but we bring your compassion and your love and your truth to the world. Help us, oh God. And there are some right now far from you, and they're not even sure. 
it feels condemning to them sometimes. And we pray that you'd know their compassion. If they would say yes to you, they would experience they are dearly loved. I pray for that kind of move of your spirit over us. So men, women, students, college, wherever right now you are before the Lord, take a moment, you say, yes, God. If you're a follower of Christ, do not be deceived by empty words. And you can have a full life if you'll die to empty words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.